0: Hey everyone. Hi, uh, this is Lance Daniel and this is the Soul Samples Podcast, a podcast to give you samples for your soul, something to kind of meditate on, explore, um, consider reflect um, this last couple, this last week has been one of the hardest weeks of my life. I think we're all going through the COVID situation while wrestling with racial tensions and how to really reconcile these issues, especially if you're struggling with it in the black community. Um, But even more so, it's just hard when you're going through stuff in your own life. Um, And I think a lot of this time, we can make it about pointing our bodies inward, kind of curving inwards instead of, you know, bending outward and reflecting and loving other people. And I've been challenged by um, reading the book, The Lighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. And I think a lot of this podcast materials or thoughts or reflections are going to be really about that book and how much the Trinity, at least in Michael Reeves, is thought process, is an introduction to what it actually means to be a Christian, what faith is all about. Because the Trinity is about this deep communal love. That the premise of that is to think of our community or think about a human being. If we're designed and you believe you're designed in the image of God, that you are, are not to live life alone, which is a pushback to the introverts out there. But even more than that, we are designed to love. and With those kind of combining together, this communal love is a game changer. It changes everything. How we consider our our livelihoods, how we consider maybe how we think about politics, the love your neighbor and the love God is just kind of this cycle of I'm loving God because in general, God loves in a communal style with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's a very challenging, paradoxical, deep theological just idea of what the Father, Son, and Spirit roll with. But I think it really if we really kind of dig into it, it'll show us a lot about what God intended our lives to look like and feel like. And I think that's a rather exciting um, exploration It's a rather exciting thing to kind of dip our toe in the water and hopefully propel you to kind of take this sample for your soul and apply it to your real life. You know, I-, I think this is not just something that's really cool. and We just set it aside, but something that really can compel us to deeper levels uh, of intimacy with our God, but also just growth in ourselves. Because um, the more we can see ourselves in God's story, in this particular story is the communal God, the Father, Son, Spirit God, then I think we see more of ourselves truly and utterly. And I think that's a refreshing idea and it's a refreshing thought. So I, I really want to. Um, invites you uh, to this kind of exploration of the Trinity and what it really can compel us to believe when we consider salvation, when we consider relationships, and when we we consider real, true love. So thanks for kind of jumping on this podcast with me. I'm excited uh, for y'all to listen. All right, let's go. Uh, I don't, if I'm honest... I don't know if I realized how powerful and how um, how much an impact that the Trinity has in our day-to-day faith. I think we, I think about just being a Christian. You kind of know the Trinity is important. It's kind of like within the Bible's context, we see God in three persons. Many times we see the Spirit. Many times we see the Father. Many times we see Jesus um and a lot of us link up to Jesus cuz Jesus came in as a human and it's just so easy um and i think that's the point of his existence to put on flesh um but i'm read this really um insightful book called the lighting in the trinity An introduction to christian faith by michael reeves and it was just so helpful it's it's small very it's got maybe what how many pages are in here like 130 pages really really helpful um because I don't know how often I use the Trinity and the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit uh, to impact my day-to-day life. And this, was, this book was really helpful in like a, a guiding light um, shining and pointing me to realize how important contextualizing the Spirit in all of my life. So it's a really helpful book. I definitely encourage everyone to read it. It's really quick. Um, It's got pictures and stuff and little kind of asides to explain certain situations Um, and just the deep importance of what the Trinity does to our life. It's kind of a lens, so to speak, to see the world in again. And um, I kind of wanted to just kind of reflect on the Trinity this episode and think about what it really can help us Uh, to really gravitate towards today. Um, We're all in quarantine still. I'm here in Tampa, Florida and the rates are uh, of the quarantine positive tests spiking um, and it's kind of crazy. But it's weird because if I go outside um, it doesn't feel like there's this pandemic that's um, destroying things so to speak and it's not the end of the world. But very much so. There's a lot of Uh, of these cases going on and so safety is of the utmost importance but I also feel compelled to just try to live my life regularly right now and obviously with the um, racial tensions that we're still kind of working through as a nation um, because we have the privilege of being incredibly diverse in so many um, different ethnic backgrounds and stories and different types of people. We didn't have to work through just issues of just racism in our our culture. So we're still trying to dismantle that. And I think the Trinity really helps us in this time where we have um, a chance to sit down and reflect. This book has helped me reflect on how the Trinity can kind of change my life on a day-to-day basis, not just this ethereal, abstract doctrine of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how they act within um, the the kind of storyline of the Bible, but more so like, what does that mean to me now? I think we don't want these kind of ethereal doctrines. We don't want this abstract stuff to just stay up in the air. We wanna be able to, to grab them tangibly and to bring them down and boots on the ground help us on our day to day and i think a good place to start is always the beginning every answer to every question that in regards to faith christian faith god love relationship starts in genesis chapter one or chapter two and this one is literally chapter one verse one i probably have read this scripture in our podcast but it's in this podcast but i find it, 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 you know, it bears repeating. It can never really lose its impact. But I want us to catch something. And so my Bible says, it's Genesis chapter one, verse one in the English standard version. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first line the first verse is kind of mapping out what's about to happen in this story. God and the translation for God in the Hebrew in this particular part is Elohim, which just means God. It's kind of the general this is God. So it's not a definitive name. We know he has other names in the Hebrew that's that's said over and over like Adonai or Yahweh. We haven't yet gotten to those names exposed but they're just saying God so he creates the heavens and the earth that just means the sky and the ground verse two the earth was without form and it was void and darkness filled this the surface of the deep so imagine not necessarily like this black blob that's what I imagine in the universe that's good for nothing think good for nothing but in a less um i guess astronomical terms i took this like um astro uh astronomy class in my last class at usf and it was about galaxies and cosmologies and a lot of like in terms of planets and stars and galaxies and universes more so galaxies um and stars are kind of built up from like explosions of dust and gas and then they explode and create something. So you would imagine, so a big bang situation is dust and gas kind of happening together and then explode and creates, you know, matter. Obviously we've been privileged again to have, to live in the earth, which is perfectly designed for our facilitation of our like humanity and other plants and animals and the environment in general. But the Bible isn't trying to explain this in astronomical terms. It's not trying to explain it scientifically. It's not trying to explain this post-Enlightenment, meaning the Enlightenment period where we kind of yielded a lot more to scientific theory and, and scientific thought kind of permeated the way we understood the world and interpreted the world in those contexts. It's not that. It's very much an agrarian society not thinking like this very simple terms so when when, so when god makes the heavens and the earth it's about him creating and so you can imagine this place not to be this kind of black primordial ball but maybe just a desert an empty space an empty space that no living thing can actually do anything in so the act of creating the heavens and the earth, the earth for us as we understand it today, is God just kind of making an empty, vacant house into a home. You put the furniture in, you paint the walls, you put decoration, you put nice blinds, um, you have some throw pillows you on the couches, um, you have your whole kitchen set. There are certain things we do to make a house a home. Eventually, you start putting animals and people, you know, whatever you need to make your house a home is kind of the same way that God creates earth. What we understand it. He makes light and dark. He separates light and dark to make day and night. He also uses that to kind of make our understanding of time. And so this stuff is kind of going in the mix of God's creative point now how is this reflecting on the Trinity God is there but right at the end of verse two it says and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and I think that's an interesting note you can imagine it like imagine this kind of useless good for nothing chaotic water meaning um, water that's a little bit more ruckus maybe many tsunamis are going down and it's just like no it's like impossible i can't swim so those waters would be terrifying to me like not being able to swim and in my past drowning multiple times it's like yo i i can't imagine seeing waters like that be overwhelming and so strong and powerful but the bible communicates that god is kind of always Teeming the waters, meaning holding the waters back in its place, the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the little bodies of waters within um, large land masses like North America, that God is kind of doing that thing um, as he creates. He's holding those things in its proper place. And we see the spirit of God hovering over it, kind of figuring out, okay, what's next? What am I going to do with these waters? So you see God there. You see the Spirit of God there. Okay, we're, if we're talking about the Trinity and we're reflecting on this really cool book, Delighting in the Trinity, where is, okay, we have God, the Father, so, assumingly we have the Spirit of God, where is, where is Jesus? Um, and so um, John, um, the disciple whom Jesus loved uh, on his own terms, he says that, which is kind of funny, he actually writes about the creation story in his own kind of narrative and I think it's interesting kind of key into what he says so he then starts in John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning same thing in the beginning we just read but in the beginning in John's version his commentary on Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning was the word And the word was with God. We just read that God created the heaven. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, John remixes it and says, nah, you missed the part. Or maybe not, nah, you missed the part. Hey, let me be a little bit, help you guys be a little bit more explicit as to what's going on in the story. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and so We can imply from Genesis chapter one, when God created the heavens and the earth, it was God, the father, God, the son. And then eventually we see the spirit hovering over the top of the waters. And so let's keep reading Um, John chapter one, verse two. He says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, Nothing was made. That's pretty significant statement. So in the beginning, in the creative process, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were there. Well, you may be thinking, well, you said the Word, not not Jesus himself. In verse 14 of John chapter 1, he then further explains, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. So in the beginning... God is there with the Father. Well, God is there as the Father, Son, and Spirit all collectively are creating. And I think it's always interesting to kind of take a step back and make some, some observations or just have some thoughts you want to like kind of chew on. Um, What were the Trinity doing? What was God doing before he created the heavens and the earth? And that's not like the most detailed statement. But if the Trinity is what we understand it, Father, Son, and Spirit, we can understand that if God is love, which is spoken many times through Scripture, that through the Father, the Son, the Spirit, they live in a community as three persons, living in community. And since they're persons, they have a relationship. And since we understand them to be perfect, meaning they're not uh, laden with sinful inclinations or false ideas of each other, they live in a sense of community, relationship, and love. And the best way I like to describe it is this relational community of love this is what they did from the beginning just loving each other in their way and it's kind of hard to like really tangibly picture this but i think it's best understood when you have three friends that just know each other well they're just giving to one another they serve one another and we also know and realize that the father son and spirit have three distinct roles too it's like you see the father looks at things in the beginning the son was with the father the spirit kind of hovers over the face of the deep they're three distinct figures and so in every community like any friendship group there's distinct persons they're not exactly the same but we also understand that with being three distinct persons they're still god and i think that's pretty cool to understand it's a good reflection to have and i, I want to take this point a little further with the just uh, Matthew chapter three, and Matthew chapter three is Jesus's baptism. It's such a cool situation because it kind of exemplifies the distinct qualities that the Spirit, the Son, and God have. And in Matthew chapter three verse sixteen, um, and Jesus was baptized. Immediately, went up out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son whom i loved whom i am well pleased and this scripture is kind of just pointing more to the heart of god the spirit comes down hovering like a dove again we saw that in genesis 1 chapter 2 the sun is like in the midst of the water you can imagine someone standing up from shallower water after his baptism and the Father acknowledging the Son. All three persons with three distinct different roles, but they're, they're here again. And I think that's interesting for the story of the Bible because distinctly the Father, Son, and Spirit being in one location in the story signifies something. And it, I think it signifies the same thing that happened in Genesis chapter 1, creation that somehow through Jesus' baptism, there's another creation going on. And what Bible scholars and people smarter than me would say is new creation. This is a a word that Paul picks up throughout his letters that he calls the church not to be thinking about worldly things or to allow the flesh to take over, but to be thinking as new creations because Jesus is the first fruit of new creation. And I think that's awesome. I think that's profound, that when we see the Father, Son, and Spirit together, they're creating. Creation is a life-giving experience. Creation is love. Creation is blessing. And I think with the Trinity, we have this opportunity to reflect on what they do and realize if I am a Christian and believe in what the Trinity is all about, I believe, number one, that I'm destined to be a part of community. Introvert or not, personality type or not, this is kind of what I need to be a part of. And it takes a bit of humility to realize, but we need people. God was not by himself in the sense that the Spirit, the Son, and the Father were all together, working together from the beginning, loving each other perfectly, adequately serving each other. Number two, we all need not just a community of people, but relationships in general, to kind of have the closeness, to be intimate. These are valuable and we need love, (laughs) which is hard because love needs to be redefined constantly because it can mean six different things to six different types of people. But we understand it as Jesus demonstrating his sacrificial love on the cross, God sacrificing his son, on behalf of people that may or may not choose to follow Jesus. I think it's a love that's willing to stretch and grow. It's a love that's willing to sacrifice uh, for others instead of themselves. This is what we can learn from the Trinity. But I really want to touch upon this: this, this the distinctness of all three aspects of who God is. And I think that will help us kind of catapults us into another side of this kind of thought. And it'll help us really get to a place where I think, boots on the ground, this is what Trinity can do to inform us today. Not even inform us, to make our desires more aligned with God's desires. I want us uh, to take a step back And think about how important um, your first visions of relationship was. How was your relationship with your parents and how that impacts you today? I constantly think about how my mom and dad related their ups and their downs. Um, And there's a lot, there's always a lot more in between than the ups and the downs. And I think of how much that impacts my relationships today, how I share how they you know, respond to things and their temperament, um, how I am similar to my dad in the way I think, um, and how I can be very relaxed and chill like my mom with stuff and, and never really be moved one way or another, very melancholy is is naturally where I stand in my temperaments. And we know from stats that the dynamic between your mother and father deeply impact how you see relationships for the rest of your life. Um, Like it or not, we don't get to choose our parents. We don't get to choose how they relate to one another. Um, We know that toxic environments really affect things. If you don't have a father figure in your life, how it really makes it harder for even young boys to find um, just their manhood or masculinity or if there's some mother issues and vice versa, if women have daddy issues, these things really do something. Um, So it's nothing to snuff our nose at. Our first relationship, seeing that, really impacts how we relate in all the rest of our relationships, romantic romantic relationships, platonic relationships. All of these things are affected by it. And I think the cool thing about the Trinity and, and me learning about the Trinity is I think the Bible is giving us this really cool opportunity to look back at the first relationship ever, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And I just read Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. But I want to reiterate what's going on. Jesus is in the flesh, standing in the waters of the Jordan. The Spirit is like floating. It's like this light figure resting on top of Jesus. And we see the Father calling out. It's a replaying of the creation story. All of them are present, but all of them are kind of communicating with each other, with Jesus, in like really different ways. The Father calls out with a loud voice. The Spirit's light. Jesus is physically embodied with flesh and bones like us. It's distinct and different. And if we are to kind of grab this um, scene and bring it down, kind of... Uh, embed it into our minds and our hearts and kind of chew on the scripture, I think I found in deep reflection of of that scripture and then going back to Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us, and I think I interpret the us as the Trinity, let us make man in our, again, the Trinity, own image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over it. The fish in the sea, um, over the birds of the, the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God, the Trinity, were made in that image, were made in that kind of mold, that shape, that framework. The framework is three distinct parts that communicate differently and probably relate differently. And we know before the creation of the world that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit related to one another in a communal relational love, a real communal relational love. And if we're destined for that same reality, we're also destined to be distinctly different like the Father, Son, and Spirit are to one another. That's just the natural kind of deductive reasoning and implications of the first relationship. And I think that's valuable because if we can truly understand that, we can kind of embed in our hearts the understanding that if people are different and unique, that that doesn't make them more or less better than us, it doesn't make thing. It, it may make things hard, for sure. But it shouldn't bring down relationships in the world's context. For the Father, Son, and Spirit to be different was a value thing. Because their roles were distinctly different. We know the Spirit lives within us. It empowers us. It inspires us. It groans on our behalf when we cannot pray it seals us after our baptism the spirit is an advocate he's a counselor as jesus ascends back into to to heaven with on the right hand of the father the spirit comes down and does some incredible work in the book of acts it's spirit inspired people in the books of acts in the book of acts these stories are really impacting the known world then and we know jesus so well his story through the 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 biographers of his life the gospels and just how he lived life perfectly he embodies true humanity what humanity should have been before the fall that we could have been like jesus someone with authority and power and understanding but deep grace and truth who desired mercy for the poor and the oppressed that's what he considered a lot of his time taking care of those that could not take care of themselves, inviting sinners in to connect, to love, to hear their stories, to touch them, to see them, to know them and to be known, to know them and for them to know him. And I think that's important. Be true humanity like Jesus is what we all seek to do on a day to day, but it's a uniquely different role than what the father was. And we kind of see the father as his providential figure the one that protects us, the one that provides us our food, clothing, our health. We see the Father as in heaven, never really, um, in, not, not, never really in our space. Um, we know that God was with <laughs> Moses on um, the cleft of the, the mountain, and he passes by him um, so that in Moses' face-to-face relationship with God, he could be, be close, and so he gave him this special privilege of seeing his back. And so we see these distinctly unique roles and unique actions throughout the story of the Bible, and it should imply, and again, embed in our hearts to believe that relationships here, it's okay to be distinct and different. We could still be one humanity, one collective group in unity and harmony. Now, that may be overly idealistic, but I I don't... Really see what's what 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 else the Trinity was supposed to imply in our humanity today. Because if we're made in his likeness and his image, then being different is valued, it's beautiful, instead of just being different being frustrating or annoying or less than or better than. And I, I think as I kind of wrap up this shorter podcast. On just my reflections on the Trinity, Um, knowing that when the Trinity is kind of distinct, it's recreating. And we know as a church, um, deciding to follow Jesus, repenting, getting baptized, and and walking the ways uh, of Jesus through sanctification or this maturation process, um, we know we're a new humanity, we know we're a new creation. Because Jesus was kind of the firstborn of this new creation, and now we are the the I guess the afterfruits of the the harvest and the crops, and with new creation and being kind of born again, um, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are with us now in story and in like flesh. I think we're met with an important idea of salvation. Um, In Psalm 133, it starts out saying, how good and pleasant is it when brothers and sisters live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard and running down Aaron's beard, down upon the collars and the robe. I think that psalm is really helpful. I want to finish up the psalm because I think that's only. I only read verses one and two, but Psalm 133. I think it has three verses, but I want to read it real quick, so give me a moment as I turn there. 133. And the third verse says, "It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls from the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded." The blessing and life forevermore. And I think why I bring up this verse and I talk about unity, I talk about salvation being a new creation. How good and pleasant it is when we reflect the unity, harmony, and relationship of the Trinity. It is salvation. It's like precious oil and anointing. This is what oil on someone's head is anointing that runs from your head to the beard, to Aaron's beard, kind of the first priest uh, along the lines of the, the Jewish priesthood. And it falls, and it's like dew on Hermon, uh, of Hermon, and which falls on the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded a blessing in life forevermore. So whenever we see unity, whenever we can see it, distinctly different people, personality types, skin color, socioeconomic situations, thinking, stories, whenever we see unity, a beautiful unity, and the, the best way we hope to see that is in the church, in the church even though statistically speaking, Sundays are still the most segregated day of the week. But when we do see that kind of unity, a diverse set of groups of people that are connected in harmony, we see blessing. We see a good and pleasant thing. And we see hearts of individuals that get a taste of salvation if they're not Christians. And if they are Christians, the church, we become this shining light of salvation. And I think I'm finding this to be such a beautiful fact for me um, as I've been kind of digging through just issues of race and just obviously more history of racism stuff. And again, this is not really political. This is a human issue. And I think racism is not, yeah, it's not, we've heard it before. It's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Um, It's a heart thing. But it just seems like if Paul talks about a ministry of reconciliation and the gospel is about unity, it's about getting this opportunity to be together with Jesus and the Spirit and the Father and that Jesus really wanted in his kind of priestly prayer in John 17 that we may be brought to complete unity. I think he's pointing back that to try unity. I I really do. And I, I think it's, I'm finding so much more value. Uh, I feel so much more pleased and excited when I see different people unite, Um, not thinking the same, but being on the same page with their thinking, if that makes sense. Not having thinking that's corruptive or just like um, pulling apart or argumentative, but healthy, useful dialogue that bonds people together. And at a time like this, Unity is going to be the breath of fresh air. And I think getting a picture of the first relationship to impact relationships today in 2020, I think can go a long way. And so I appreciate anyone who listened to this podcast and really got something out of it. I think these reflections are just kind of off the top of my head and readings from scripture and this book. But I think it's really helpful today to kind of gravitate towards this and hopefully boots on the ground, just find... Just the beauty, the blessing, and the salvation and seeing unity of diverse people. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. I know it's been a minute since I put one up, but uh, my Soul Samples recommendation is Float by Black. It is super, super dope, super, super awesome. So if you're interested in um, that song, you can go ahead and and listen to it, it is amazing. And also I recommend uh, Justine Skye's album. Um, And I think it's an EP actually. It's also equally as incredible, but I'm gonna wanna type it in and figure out what it's called first so that um, I don't get you, lead y'all astray. Give me one second. there's one song on that that's just it's fantastic. It is fantastic it goes hard for sure I'm waiting for my uh, Spotify to pull up and it's I think it's the last song I played but Justine Skye, Justine Sky alright my Spotify is taking yep so Justine Sky album is called Bear With Me um, and yes and the uh the song is I think it's called A Million Days, A Million Days. It's so good, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this the song's called A Million Days. It's fantastic. So Black Float, and then Justine Sky A Million Days. Really, really good vibes. All right, thanks for listening to the podcast. Your host, Lenz Daniel. I'm in out peace and love.